my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here this afternoon with Hannah Saltonstall. How are you, Hannah? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to to, to see you. Um, Hannah was one of those students that was just a, a bright shining star when she when she was here at Cal Poly. And um I remember she she doesn't remember this, but I, I remember very much like being intimidated uh when I had her because she was she was one of those high achieving students where if I was not on my game, she would call you out. And uh, I was like, I, okay, okay, I see this Hannah. I gotta, I gotta stay on top of my game. Uh, so, uh, so that I don't, um, so I don't disappoint her. That's what I felt like when you were in the classroom. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't know that, but I think I was I, always uh, an active participant in class for sure. You were, you were <laughs> for certain, and um, and I and I, I didn't mean that in a negative way at all. I meant it in a really positive way, and <laughs> I mean like you were just engaged and so bright, and um, you know, I that's just so much fun for us, and I think that's one of the things that separates Cal Poly is, you know, I just feel like uh, our students challenge me every day to be better. And, um, and so that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what I've always thought is a really fun part about teaching at Cal Poly. Um, So I I should introduce you a little bit better. Let's, uh, let's do that. (laughs) Um, Hannah Hannah is a 2019 graduate of our program. And um, she is currently serving as a client value stream lead for international travel uh, for Blueboard, for Blueboard. And um, we're gonna, we're going to get into Blueboard. Um, We've had um, a, uh, an alum, um, highlighted on the podcast from Blueboard before, but Hannah has told me today that um, Blueboard is growing so fast that they're constantly changing. I think you said, what did you say? Like it feels like every month you're reinventing yourself, or <laughs> every every six months it's a different company, as I right. like to say. Yeah. Right, I love it. I love it. So we're going to get all into that, and it's really awesome that she's doing international travel right now since she has um, she did two study abroad. So she was at Cal Poly, so we'll we'll get into that as well. Um, so let's uh, let's let's start, Hannah, by uh, by looking back. Um, tell me where you grew up. Yeah, so I grew up in Mill Valley, California, which is just right north of the Golden Gate Bridge. So grew up in beautiful Marin County, um, yeah. and love really gave me a lot of passions for outdoors and hiking and was really fortunate to grow up there um, and had really wonderful teachers that inspired me at, at the public schools there. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I, I love Marin. I, my, my, I spent just a little bit of time in Marin, but I, uh, Marin County, but, um, the experiences that I've had there have just been, um, just been fabulous. Like, uh, Bellinas, uh, I had a friend mm-hmm. who lived in Bellinas. And so I know the story about there not actually being any signs to Bellinas cause no one wants, uh, people to find it and yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. Um, but, but obviously as a Marin County resident, you know, where. <laughs> but um so so tell us uh tell me what your what did your parents do growing up hannah yes so my parents were both in creative industries which is i think a lot of where i got my 
interests and passions growing up. So my dad was a professional photographer, um, and definitely more on the creative side now, but mm. he had a very thriving business, um, prior to me being born in LA and would do headshots of Johnny Depp and, you know, celebrities and also lots of magazines. And so that, that was super cool to, to see, look back on with him. Um, and my mom worked in advertising for, and still does, um, my whole life. So worked for different agencies, traveled around the world doing shoots as well. Um, and she was the, a creative art director for many years um, in San Francisco. Very cool. Well, I did not know we had that in common, both having a a dad who was a professional photographer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I don't think my dad wanted me to go into photography, though, because for 10 years, I asked for a camera and he never gave me one. (laughs) uh, I got I was pretty bitter about that. And then, you know, the iPhone came out and I'm like, well, screw you. I've got a camera now. (laughs) So my my dad is um, so always impressed with the iPhone cameras. And so he, I asked, I'm going on a trip this fall Uh uh, and I was asking him for advice on, should I get this point and shoot camera? It has really good reviews. And he's like, why do you need a point and shoot camera? Your iPhone does the same thing. And I was like, it doesn't feel like it does the same thing. Maybe I don't know how to use the settings properly. So I'll have to dive into that with him. (laughs) You know, I, I kind of, I kind of feel the same way because like whenever I'm at a concert, I see people like taking pictures and like from where I'm from where I'm sitting behind them. I'm like, their camera looks so much better than mine. Like, how are I know. They <laughs> so vibrant, you know, but I think it's just that like when we when you're sitting back, it just looks more of a, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I, I feel like I can't use mine as well as other people use theirs either. <laughs> I, I, he's going to have to give me a little tutorial. So yes, I, I do yes, it properly. For sure. For sure. So what about, what about, um? did you have any brothers and sisters or do you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have an older brother, Graham. Um, he was actually born with cerebral palsy. So he is severely special needs. So I definitely contributed to a, a unique upbringing that's mm-hmm. not super traditional had to be very independent because he obviously required a lot of care and attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I do think that he's the the sweetest guy and, and brings smiles to everyone's faces. Um, and really he lives near home in an independent living situation. So I get to visit him when, whenever I go back up to the Bay area, but definitely not the traditional sibling relationship. I think we right. still, uh, thought and argue all the time even though he's not the traditional communicator um but uh i kind of have as the younger sibling a lot of characteristics of an older sibling just because Mm -hmm. of the nature of our relationship and and who he is gotcha gotcha well shout out to graham um and uh thanks for sharing so um talk about what uh young hannah was like growing up like what was your jam what did you get into yeah um, so, so like I mentioned, I was definitely a very independent yeah. kid. I think that that's, it's funny what you mentioned of kind of my personality in class, because I think I had that from a young age. My dad's favorite, uh, sentiment when he speaks of me is being on the playground in elementary school and ordering the kids up in line of when they're going to go down the slide. <laughs> so I think that really sums up who I was as a child and am as a person. I'm like, it's embarrassing, but I also think it's hysterical because it's yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. typical for, 
for yeah. me as a child, but I was very uh, strong-willed and opinionated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think that that was something that I have grown into and maybe honed in better ways now in my adulthood. No. Um, but I definitely think that I was a very like academically oriented kid because I put a lot of pressure on myself, I think, mm-hmm. with you know, going back to my brother as my older sibling who has special needs is I really wanted to be the perfect child. And my, my parents always, you know, we've talked about it before. And I think it's really interesting is that they weren't necessarily putting that pressure on me, but I was one of right. those kids who had very high expectations for myself and always yeah. did. So remember in Cal Poly getting that one and only C and I think econ or financial accounting, one of those classes we had to take for the curriculum was fairly devastating for me, but my brain couldn't make it happen. Um, And so (laughs) I like to say that I was definitely a high achieving child always because of um, my personality and what I required for myself um, and not just my parents, which is interesting. Um, But other than that, I was always really active in any sort of extracurriculars. I've always been the person who thrives with being very busy. So I was on lots of sports teams. I had jobs growing up. Um, I had a thriving babysitting business at the age of 11. Uh, I definitely was always career oriented from the beginning. So I think that doesn't make me sound super fun as a kid, but I promise I was in some ways. Uh, No, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. And there's many, um, there's many different layers of, of uh, fun. And so, uh, (laughs) you know, I, uh, I respect that kind of fun a lot more than the kind of fun I was getting into. Uh, Yeah. When I I look back, uh, like, you know, as a father now of uh, two, uh, well, Max turns 13 in uh, about a month, but um, I I just like shudder to think like, oh my goodness, I hope they don't do some of the things that I did. <laughs> you know? Oh, I know. My parents were so lucky. They, they had me. Then they, they only recognize that now they're like, thank God we didn't have to worry about what you were getting into. I was uh-huh. like, I know you're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're welcome. Exactly. Well, let's talk about that. Um, you know, that pathway to Cal Poly, um, you talk about, you know, being sort of being, being career oriented, you know, at a young age, do you, do you remember at a young age, like what you wanted to be? Like, how did you, how did you kind of find, um, Cal Poly and, and, um, uh, recreation parks and tourism, you know, obviously now experience industry management. How did you, Mm -hmm. how did you find us? Yeah. So, um, that's a great question. Lots of different things that led me to that. So, First, um, my junior year of high school, I did this really wonderful program that was through my high school's school district. Um, it was called Team, and it was 24 students, and it basically took eight students from the three high schools in the school district and brought them together to this kind of vocational school. Mm. Um, and so I basically left my high school for a year. And did this program, we did a lot of like wilderness medicine. Um, So I learned how to, you know, take care, triage people. If I like someone was hurt in the wilderness, we did backpacking trips, a lot of volunteering. Um, And so I got a lot of school credit doing like kind of more experiential learning, which Mm -hmm. really is where I finally 
felt like I was thriving. So um, it was really great. Like we didn't have school on Tuesdays in the fall semester. I went and volunteered at a equine therapy center where my brother actually used to go and ride horses. So I worked with disabled kids and adults um, riding horses um, and therapy in that way. And so that was a really great way for me to express um, my passions for that community. And yeah. then I got to plan uh, an auction fundraiser for them, uh, which was something that I kind of was like, this is, I'm good at this. I know I love to organize things. I can see myself like I, this is really fun for me. It's kind of the first time where I really realized that like I was into some sort of event planning Mm -hmm. and the spring we had to get an internship somewhere on for every Tuesday um, instead of uh, volunteering. And I interned at an interior design firm. So I reached out to a bunch of local interior designers and there was this woman in Marin who was serendipitously looking for an intern at the same time. So it was kind of magic uh, that I reached out when I did. Um, And I ended up working for her for years after with for multiple summers working for her full time. Um, And I really got a passion for like design there. Um, But I thought that that's what I was going to do going into college. And then I realized there was way too much math involved with interior design. Ah. Um, And I realized that maybe it wasn't the right thing for me. (laughs) So I had one of my teachers that junior year in this program um, made a comment to me and said, you know, you'd be really good at event planning. Like you should look into doing that. And that was something that I will never forget, like that conversation with him, because that made me Google event planning and management courses or California colleges. And I ended up applying to Cal Poly early decision when they still offered that for the RPTA major, because it was the only program that I found that I actually wanted to do the major. I had always thought I was going to go to a UC. Um, That was always kind of my plan. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I had wanted to go to the East Coast. Um, But I realized, especially during my senior year of college, my dad was diagnosed with two types of stage four blood cancer. And he's okay now. He's recovered kind of miraculously. But that was very hard my senior year deciding, do I want to go far away from home? Or do I need I don't know what everything's going to look like in the next year or so. So that ultimately also encouraged me to stay fairly local, only four hour drive away at Mm -hmm. Cal Poly. So there was lots of elements that led up to that decision. Um, And what was really great was that it took the decision out of it for me when I started getting applications from other schools, um, because I had applied early decision and I was locked and loaded once I got accepted and I had no choice. And that was probably good for for me, um, because I was able to commit to it pretty early on. So there wasn't a lot of choices of where I was going after I had made up my mind. Got you. Got you. Wow. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing that story. And so happy your, your dad's, uh, doing fine. And, um, that, I know that had to be rough. Um, so let's talk about your time here in San Luis Obispo. You know, everyone has that, um, 
that special however long it was you you, you know you were here in in the slow area and um and uh you, you know i i know obviously from from ex, you know being one of your professors and and from from you know reviewing before we got going here and remembering some of the things that you did i i know that that you really uh got the most out of your your college career and um mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things that I think is um is really valuable about the, the the this podcast is is hearing from um students who did make the most of their four years, right? And um mm-hmm. and if they didn't, they can reflect on it, right? But most of you did. And um uh you know, I, I look at it and I'm like, oh wow, that some of the things that that Hannah did that just uh, I mean I can't wait to hear about them myself you know semester at sea um in, in 2016 and then um study abroad in Prague um in 2017 um so but but before we get there um you know can you reflect a little bit about what your four years at, at um Cal Poly and San Luis Obispo was like um you know, I've I've been I, I I've kind of decided I need to shift away from saying, oh, can you remember one thing in particular? Mm-hmm. You know? and it's because it's like it's not one thing; it's a culmination of of many things. Can you so can you yeah. think, can you talk more generally about what San Luis Obispo and Cal Poly meant to you as far as a you know a four year experience? Absolutely, um, I think. When I look back at my college experience, I realized it wasn't the most traditional. And I think since when have I ever done anything traditionally looking back at my life, I always seem to go outside of the box a bit because that's my personality and where I find excitement in in life. Um, So you mentioned I studied abroad twice. So part of that was my freshman year, I think I was really enjoying my coursework. But again, your freshman year, you take a lot of general ed classes, not a ton of specific major courses. So I think I was in your, you know, the first RPTA class. I don't know if it's 101 or what it's called anymore. I remember taking that in the fall, um, being really excited to dive into that, but not seeing on my upcoming curriculum that I would really be diving deeper into the subjects that really interest me until later. And I also think that like looking back at my college career, I didn't really find my people right away. Mm. I think that that's something that's important to talk about because especially incoming students um, or current college students often think this is how I see college is supposed to go, whatever that looks like. And everyone I talked to has had immensely different college experiences. Um, I wasn't in Greek life, but I had lots of friends that were. um, But I didn't feel like I found the people I clicked with pretty. And I immediately, you know, people in my dorm freshman year I was friends with, but those friendships didn't seem much more than surface level. So I really tried to push myself to do other things that would make me meet other types of people. So that fall quarter of freshman year, I got a job at the rec center as a facility supervisor. Mm -hmm. I was one of the only freshmen that worked there. And so Mm -hmm. I was the the designated young one. Um, Uh Most of the people were upperclassmen, but it got uh, me to meet a lot of people. And I also started being happier, having a sense of responsibility. I was always that person who wanted to have a job or multiple jobs um, because I liked to be extra busy and feel like I was making money for myself to go do the fun things I wanted to do. And I was on 
financial aid. So it was important for me to like be making money to pay rent next year or to go on any of these experiences and and trips that I dreamed of doing. I always knew I was going to study abroad. That was my number one priority when looking at schools. Um, That was my mom studied in London for a year in in grad school. Um, And she always talked about how amazing that experience was. And I've always had a travel bug in me. So that that was definitely a priority. And I realized my freshman year, like I wasn't that happy. And I was like, well, no one says I have to wait to junior year to do this. So let me look into doing this my sophomore year, which is not normal. But I was like, let's just see what's possible. Why not? And I, a girl that went to my high school, who I followed on social media was posting these amazing photos of her trip around the world doing this program called semester at sea. And I'd never heard of it before and it wasn't affiliated with Cal Poly. So I spent lots of hours in the um, center, the advising center that where they talk about the study abroad programs, figuring out how I could possibly get course credits transferred. Um, And it was a lot of work because it wasn't, it got affiliated the year after. Of course. I I know um, we are now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When I did it, it wasn't. So lots of paperwork, lots of figuring out how to get my financial aid transferred over credits transferred over. Um, But I set my, my mind to it and um, made it happen. And it was the most incredible four months of my life. I like to say, and um, part of the reason why I'm in San Diego now is that my roommate at the time on the ship was a San Diego State University student who was also 19 and a sophomore uh-huh. and escaping her freshman year and figuring out what she wanted to do. And she now actually lives a mile away from me here um, and is a close friend. So Love that it. was a very um, defining experience for me and also yeah. reinstated how much I believe in experiencing the world firsthand by traveling and experiencing other cultures is like what brings me joy. And I feel like a purpose for, for life. It's as cheesy as everyone says, but um, the most incredible things was, you know, taking classes on the ship. We got to, I was in a world religions class and we had a field class in Barcelona and we got to go to Montserrat and which is the monastery up in the mountains outside of the city and learn about that from a person who works there and then go see a historic synagogue and a temple. And we got to learn about the things we were reading in textbooks and in lectures every day, like in person. And I took a history of jazz class and we were in Brazil and we went to go to a music school and learn how to play drums with these local people who lived in the city. And all of those types of experiences were the most memorable things to me out of like my college experience was like the doing things in person. And so it really also obviously how Polly's learned by doing, but um, any of those uh experiences is where I really found my excitement for learning. Right. Um, and coming back to Cal Poly after semester at sea, I got to dive obviously more into my my classes again. And then all the people I knew who were my year were getting ready to go study abroad. And I was like, I want to do it again. <laughs> and <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, I don't want to be here while everyone's you know, galloping around 
Europe or whatever they're doing. I was like, that's if I can make it happen, why not? Um, So I worked multiple jobs over the summer and worked for a wedding planner doing an internship and worked as a hostess at a restaurant and kind of tried to make the most of my summers by getting applicable experiences to add to my resume while also making the money to be able to gallivant around Europe, to put it bluntly. Um, And then studied abroad in Prague. And I actually live in this apartment I'm in right now in San Diego with my randomly paired study abroad roommate in Prague. Um, So she went to UC Santa Cruz, but was from San Diego area. And we were the only two girls in the internship program they had. So they paired us together. I think we were also compatible. Um, But it was us and then a handful of um, boys from other schools that were in this kind of secondary program than the whole Mm -hmm. Prague class that was there. Um, And while she had an internship with a marketing firm, I worked with a wedding planner in Prague for the semester and got credit class, like elective credit with working with her. Um, And I got to go to a couple of Czech weddings where I'm, you know, everyone's speaking Czech around me and I don't know what's happening, but I got to help her set up there. (laughs) I did a lot of like mood board plannings with her. She took me to a couple like castle parties and industry events. Um, And I really, she didn't have an office because like most wedding planners, it was just her and one other person. So um, every I think it was also Tuesdays. I don't know why that's my internship day, but I would go meet her in random cafes around the city and um, see different parts of Prague and work, like help her with whatever she needed in person. Um, So again, kind of took something typical to make it as untypical as possible for myself, (laughs) but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, And then coming back to Cal Poly, I finished my senior year with just doing my last couple classes in the fall mm-hmm. um, and then did my internship in winter quarter. So I, I walked in December of 2018 with Hannah Chapa, who was one of the other um, the alumni who you've spoken to previously. So we have photos of our graduation together that come up as memories every year in December. Yeah. Um, but I, I was only in slow for, you know, it feels like half of my college experience. So it was, when I look back at it, I think I have some regrets of not spending more time at Cal Poly, but at the same time, I wouldn't trade any of the things I've done because it's brought me to where I am now and have had all the incredible experiences and met all of the amazing people in my life. I wouldn't be living with my roommate now if I hadn't gone to Prague. I wouldn't be in San Diego. If it wasn't for my semester at sea roommate. So right. I think life uh, brings you places for certain reasons, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I just, uh, I, you know, that's probably one of the longest periods that I've stayed quiet, Hannah. You know how I am. <laughs> I, I can talk people to death. and I, But I'm just like, just uh, love hearing you talk. I mean, it's so amazing uh to to hear because you know the the vulnerability that that you that you showed in 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 like saying you know being being honest about 
um, you know, how you felt, I think will help a lot of people out there that that listen to this later, because, you know, it, it is so true that not everyone, you know, right away finds their finds their people, you know, finds um, what they want to do or finds, you know, their niche. And I think it's so important um, to to hear um, examples of people like you to help others when they start to feel that way that, that, Hey, um, just because you don't find it at first, you can keep, keep looking, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. and travel. Um, you know, one of the things that in in studying tourism, like we do, right. Since it is, uh, obviously a big part of, of the major, you know, one of the things that I have learned so much from, from Dr. Rue, from, from Dr. Jerusha Greenwood, um, is, is this whole notion that, that travel and tourism can change us, can open our minds, can make us more aware, can, can, um, can break us out of that bubble that we have a tendency to form around ourselves that makes us not as open to other people and other cultures mm-hmm. and and to develop empathy and to develop awareness that we're not the only ones out here in this big this mm-hmm. big world and um and so it's really great to hear you talk about it and hear you talk about the friendships and I can just hear I can just hear the love and passion in your voice and that's just awesome so let's talk about, um, move, you know, you, you, you've talked about Cal Poly. Let's talk about moving out of Cal Poly and, and moving on into the, uh, into the working, uh, well, I, I say into the, I, you know, I want to say working world. That's what I say in most instances. But, you know, like you said, you had a thriving uh, babysitting business going when you were 11. <laughs> So you were in the working world for a long time, yeah. my friend. <laughs> so how about how about we go with post uh, Cal Poly? Uh, yeah. Let's talk about that for a little while. Um, you've you've had some you've had what, what seemed like some really amazing experiences. Talk first about what your official internship was like, uh, or what you did, and what that was like, and and um and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So. Starting with um, right after graduating or graduating in quotations, because it felt like I was finishing school, but technically still had that internship to get the piece of paper. Um, But I did that winter quarter of 2019. So um, starting in February, and I did my internship at Launch Inc., which a lot of our alumni have have worked at as well. Um, And that was a really incredible experience. It was very, I joined and started working with them very early on, um, right before they hit a busy season. So it was, I had to jump right in three weeks into my internship. They asked me, do you have a passport? Can you go to Aruba next week? When I went with them on a president's club to help there because they needed more staff. And um, I got to have really incredible experiences working at launch, traveling around the world, doing president's clubs and conferences. And it was amazing to get to see my love and passion of travel get combined with, you know, doing a job um, and working with people all over the, the globe. Um, we did a president's club in Fiji and we got to work with the hotel and the destination management company there. And I just learned so much. Um, and it was 
really felt like the internship was barely an internship because it was like my internship ended on a Monday. And then on the Tuesday, I was working full time for them as right. an like a, official employee. Right. So it really right. felt like my first day of the internship was the first day of the job. But I do think yes, exactly. And so I was there for a little over a year and then COVID happened. Um, and that with a kind of the day that everything got right. locked down was also the day that I was laid off, um, right. as kind of the, the person, lowest person on the totem pole and not really like a need for me, which I totally makes sense. Like looking back on, on everything, but I definitely, I think I spoke of this when I recently met up with some, the students last month, right. um, as I, I shared with them of there's so many times in our lives where we feel lost of what the heck comes next <laughs> and what, why did this happen to me and why am I now in the lowest of lows? And I also that same day had found out news that a really close family friend of mine had passed away in a freak accident. And so I had a very St. Pat, it was St. Patrick's Day of, of 2020. So oh. that day kind of goes down in history in my mind of, well, what's next? Because all around it feels like the world's crashing and burning because it actually was. Right. Um, and everything was getting locked down. So, you know, being in the events industry, I had always thought this is such a smart career for me to go into because there's always going to be hospitality. There's always going to be tourism. There's mm -hmm. always going to be events. Cause even if there is a financial crisis mm -hmm. and the economy's not great, we're still going to need to bring people together. The mm -hmm. one caveat was the global pandemic, which I never thought of. No, as, yeah, none uh, of us did. <laughs> yeah. We are like, I always thought there'd be some job that I could do. Um, but yeah all of the the jobs that I valued, which were being in person or bringing people together. Um, none of those existed anymore. And that was a hard realization for me to come to, I think, along with everyone else who was in the industry of like, if this is how long is this going to be? And like, what do I look for next? Um, and there really wasn't any, any jobs to get that were in the industry. So I really did have to pivot from that and reevaluate what my priorities are and what I wanted to do. And so I did a lot of freelance contract work over that time remotely um, and got some contract jobs until I, you know, got contacted back from Blueboard and they interviewed me and were like, do you want to start? So I know I'm probably skipping ahead with some of your questions, but it all kind of flows together in one oh, big. Awesome. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate you, you sharing that about the pandemic. You know, um, I, I was talking earlier um, to someone and, you know, I, I, I think it's just like it was important what you, what you stated earlier uh, about college and the experience there. I think it's, you know, it was this shared trauma that we all experienced mm -hmm. with the global pandemic. But um, we also can't hide from the fact that some people were impacted more heavily than others. And, you know, I feel so privileged um, to, you know, uh, even though we were, you know, we all experienced it, I kept the job and I wasn't ever worried about losing a job. And, um, 
Um, but at the same time, as I was saying earlier, you know, we live vicariously through our students and through our alumni. And, you know, I just remember mm-hmm. just being so, um, so worried for for our industry and for all the, uh, you know, so many of the people that I care about out there. And um, so I, I appreciate you you telling us um, what it was like. And I'm so sorry about your your family friend. And um, let's talk about Blue Board. You know, you've been there now for, um, you know, you're getting close to, to three years now. Um, and Blue Board is in San Diego. Um, remind those who um, didn't hear the podcast uh, with Hannah, um, remind um, everyone what Blue Board does. And Blue Board may be doing something completely different from what uh, <laughs> when Hannah and I talked a, a little while back. But uh, yeah. uh, tell us, uh, tell us what Blue Board is and, um and uh, uh, let's start with your first uh, with your first job as an experience coordinator, and then we'll kind of move from there. So tell us what Blueboard yeah, does. Absolutely. So Blueboard is an employee recognition platform and service. So our clients are HR teams at different companies, mm-hmm. um, and my team specifically now serves people who are receiving rewards from their employer and choosing to travel internationally with those rewards. So um, our service has everything from $150 rewards to $25,000 rewards. And these are all given from our clients to their employees from either sales incentives. So they've hit their, they've surpassed their quotas or a president's club alternative instead of going on a group trip, um, an anniversary reward because they've been at the company for 10 years, or even small things like happy birthday, here's um, a massage on us or whatever you would like to do with $150. So there's lots and lots of of ranges of rewards and reasons why people are getting rewards, spot recognition of you did a great job on a project. Um, and the the idea of Blueboard is that experiences are more meaningful than the money or a gift card, which I know really resonates with probably you and our department, um, because someone is going to remember the $5,000 trip where someone you know went to Italy and spent a week there seeing all of the amazing sights with their family then the $5,000 bonus being added to their paycheck. Yeah. Well, the $5,000 is great. And a lot of people would probably rather just have $5,000, the long lasting impact of those experiences and the feelings of recognition and appreciation that people get from their employers by gifting them this gift is so much more impactful. And that's really the purpose of, of Blueboard. Love it. Love it. So as an experience coordinator, uh, were you um, going out there and finding experiences that might be good for you all to partner with? What was what was that like? Uh, yeah. So, so our structure of our team was significantly different back when when I started um, at Blueboard in October of 2020. And as an experience coordinator, it was my job to get paired with any of our reward recipients and assist them in planning their experience. So I was actually helping them service it. So that did still include 
maybe what we, they were doing or where we were sending them. So someone might say, I want a massage and I live in this Bozeman, Montana, and I'm going to now do the research myself and figure out the best place to send them, send them options for their approval, book their massage for them or their spa day and pay that for it. And then, yeah. And then send them out blue boarding as we call it on their experience. So that's how I, I started. And right when I was working um, as an experience coordinator, we had a couple of different sectors of the team. It was after you've been an experience coordinator or concierge for a year, you could go into our travel team um, or start on a leadership track to become a manager. There was lots of different routes you could take, um, but we were seeing a really significant increase in travel level rewards, as we call it, which is anything above $2,500, where you can start seeing our offerings, our experience menu that include flights or lodging or something a little bit grander. Um, And because of the travel experience that I had and my knowledge, I was able to start working with travel recipients only a few months into my time at the company. So I think starting in January, I started training for that and working on becoming destination expert in a couple of locations and learning how to serve um, our, our travel recipients. And we were, Blue Board was sold during 2020 as a President's Club alternative, which was a big reason why the company didn't go under entirely during COVID when experiences were no longer a thing. But it was because all the in-person President's Clubs that people were going on um, were as a group, as a company, as a whole, were no longer possible because you could barely do singular travel. So you definitely can't do group travel. (laughs) Um, We couldn't bring the 700 people to Fiji like I had done at launch. Um, So now we were the alternative, which was giving everyone a specific dollar value to build their own trip for the future or to get a Peloton for their home or for whatever thing that they wanted. So by selling Blueboard that way, the uptick in travel level rewards that we needed to serve was significantly higher. So I got the opportunity to dive into that pretty quickly. Nice. Nice. So your your current position, let's let's talk about that. So client value stream lead for mm-hmm. international travel. And so we've we've come around full circle from what we talked about earlier and all your your study abroad and, and your your international travel. And now you get to to plan international travel for folks, I suppose. Is that is that mainly what you're doing there? Or are you now um crafting relationships is it is it is it is it b2b or b2c here for you um i myself am a little bit of both but that is or both right (laughs) yeah so i know client value stream lead is not a super transferable title to a lot of companies or people might not know what that means um but the the point of client value stream means the specific specialization and the client that we're serving. So that's where I serve international travel recipients, whereas we also have domestic track that does solely domestic travel for recipients US to US. Um, Or we have the team that would be servicing in-home rewards. So people who might be choosing a Peloton or um, 
a really fancy espresso machine, things like that. So we service different values, which is what the the origin of that title is. So my team serves all international travel requests. So that's anyone from the US traveling internationally, anyone internationally traveling to the US or international to international. So we work with recipients all over the world and have pretty much sent people to majority of the destinations and a lot of a lot of bucket list locations, which is really incredible and has added a lot of uh, places on my to-go list in my lifetime for sure. Um, but now as the lead, um, I lead a team of people who are servicing these rewards. So I am in charge of the team and the rewards operationally and improving basically improving efficiencies and making sure everything is is operating properly and that rewards are getting researched, scheduled, sent out, and people are coming back happy. So I am in charge of all of those rewards and then the the group of people who are servicing them. Um, what has changed a lot, which I know I I spoke to Dr. G and um, Dr. Schwab and and um, at when I saw them last month was in February of this year, um, Blue Board decided to lay off 50 people, which were all of the people that were underneath me and helping me serve my track. And um, that was a decision that obviously wasn't made lightly. And I was not involved in any of that in my, that was very high up, Um, but it really greatly impacted me and my ability to, you know, do my job as the way it was. It, I had to pivot and figure out how to um, effectively still serve our clients. Well, we basically outsourced all of the work to a team in the Philippines that now reports to me. And so I'm working with a team there. We just opened up a BPO in Mexicali, Mexico. So we have a nearshore um, site. And then we also opened another office in Cincinnati which is a lower cost service center than California, for example. So we basically, the the company saw that there was no option moving forward with the way we were going because we were losing money on every reward we served um, just due to the labor costs because it wasn't possible to pay people a fair wage for the amount that we needed to pay and to service the rewards. So that was a very big challenge, obviously, and still is. Um, my team in the Philippines is fantastic, but they have not been set up for you know success. So that's been my goal over the last few months is to get them there because servicing international travel is very is very challenging with the industry as volatile as it is. Flight prices are crazy. They get can- flights get canceled left and right. A lot of these people haven't even left their own home island in the Philippines before. So how are they supposed to serve someone and plan a trip for them when they haven't even stepped on an airplane? So they don't know what to do when they need to research or book a flight on air of airfare. Um, they don't know much about certain destinations. And so that's not to any fault of their own. That's just that we have to reevaluate the training that's necessary in order to have everyone succeed and their job basically do what needs to be done. 
Whereas I was working with the team before, that was a lot of previous travel agents or people with lots of travel experience. And so all of a sudden, the knowledge that was there that might seem obvious at first to us or might seem logical because, oh, everyone's been on a plane before, but that's not the reality of now who I'm working with. So I have people in every all the time zones now. So definitely working lots of odd hours to accommodate um, my team and what they need from me and give them that support. And so it's definitely just been a very interesting last couple of months. And I think it's there's lots of frustrations that obviously come with this. And I what I spoke to the uh, students about was just the being able to be adaptable if you're going to work in a startup is the number one thing. And as I mentioned before, it feels like a different company every six months. I look back every six months out of the almost three years I've been here, and it has been a different company since then. And But I've also, when I joined, I was like employee number 80 something. And now we've, you know, have probably over 300 people, the company or, or more. Um, and so watching uh, this company scale to what we've been able to, to do and the, the amount of people that we're serving has been quite incredible. And it's not without its, its frustrations and blockers and constant needing to problem solve. But I do find it really rewarding to be part of something that is so unique. And if I was at a bigger company, I wouldn't have the responsibilities I have now. So even though I'm only, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm 26, I'm not that too far out of college. I've gotten so many experiences that many people wouldn't have further into their career and watch the company go through so many stages of growth um, that I think if I applied to any job, I would have a million things to talk about in an interview. <laughs> so I like to say right. the experiences I've had are not um, not without the value, despite how challenging it's been. Right. Um, really, really appreciate you sharing everything. You know, you, I, as I mentioned, you know, the, the previous two times that you shared, uh, you shared things that, um, that have, uh, you know, expressed, uh, expressed some, sometimes that are, that are tough or some things that are tough. Um, I can't express enough how how much I appreciate that and um how well you you navigated it there and talking about it. And um it's just such a great lesson for for everybody um who listens to this. And so I thank you so much. Um I want to ask you the the next question I want to ask you, Hannah, is is related to um, you know, advice. Um uh, for for students or young professionals who are out there about to embark on a career and um you know from from someone who has um you know has spent a long time out there uh doing various things and having some amazing experiences but also having some trials and tribulations along the way um what advice would you give uh to people who are you know just just starting out in the experience industry whether it's the event space or tourism and, and travel um or hospitality um what advice would you would you give them yeah, I, that's a great question. I think my biggest advice for any specifically fresh graduate 
um, or student in college really comes back to the being able to just look overall at life and realize there's going to be a lot of low lows. And as my mom always told me, and I'm so lucky to have parents who can always support me in those times emotionally, was that we always have these low lows, but we'll get out the other side of it and look back at it and realize, oh yeah, I did that. I got out of of the low lows. Like I think back to March of 2020 and how I was in one of my lowest of lows, but it brought me here to San Diego where I think I'm a thousand times happier than I was in 2019. And I think of all of these maybe, you know, horrible things that have happened in the world or that have impacted my life, but there's always a a lighter side to maybe why those things happen. So the cheesy statement, again, the things happen for a reason is I do truly believe it. It's as I kind of shared my story with you, every decision that I have made has impacted the next step of my life, whether that's who I'm living with or where I'm living or what job I'm doing um, and has brought me to where I am today. And so I think my, to sum it up would be take in all of the options and don't be afraid to choose the wrong one because regardless of what you choose, whether that's a career path or a move, it's not the end all be all. There's always an option to change it again. And I was someone with lots of experiences, whether with work or living lots of locations. I, I don't regret any of the choices I've made, even if they haven't been the happiest of times. Because again, I chose Cal Poly in that major and maybe I wasn't super happy my freshman year, but that forced me to push myself farther out of my comfort zone and do semester at sea. And every choice that I've made has has affected you know all of my experiences and who I am as a person. And so I think I myself am a person who's always fearful of making the wrong choice as I going back to the beginning of our chat of how I feel as I'm a perfectionist and I've always been. A perfectionist, letting go of the feeling of existential dread of, oh my God, what did I do? Or what, what is my decision the wrong one? Right. And just realizing it's like, this is the decision that brings me to whatever the next step in life is. And that's maybe not super specific to our industry, but I think it's specific to college graduates yeah. um, because that was the scariest thing for me and still advice I have to remind myself all the time. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I I guess the last thing that I will ask you, um, I, uh, is related to, to that element of, of, of fear for our industry. Right. I mean, you know, uh, something happened obviously with the global pandemic that really impacted it in a severe way, but it does feel like our industry is, is way more stable now. Um, uh, but you know, um, that's not to say that, you know, when, whenever you're talking business, um, or you're talking, you know, um, any sort of organization that um, relies on um, money to do what they do, which is pretty much every business, right? Or, or organization, you know, there, there's obviously some fear along those lines. But do you feel, I guess what, the question is, do you feel like uh, things are more stable? Or are you feeling better about where we're headed? Um, do, does the does uh, does the bounce back in travel and tourism have you optimistic? Um, can you address those things for us really quickly? 
Absolutely. Um, I definitely think the industry is back and booming, uh, specifically travel, um, the yeah. influx and in requests and the desire for people to get out and travel is tenfold what it has been previous years. And the three years I've been at Blueboard every year, it's getting more and more people are ready to get back out there. They're itching to travel after being locked in from COVID. And there was every year the people who weren't comfortable to travel because of COVID are now stepping out and ready to go. So while it maybe creates a lot of pain in my day to day with the amount of requests that I (laughs) am getting for my team, it's really exciting to see that the world is open again and that people are ready to go experience other cultures because as I mentioned, that's really what brings me joy to my life. So it's, it's great watching other people do that and, and see what my team's doing on a day-to-day basis, bring a lot of value to people's lives. Awesome. Awesome. Well, really appreciate that. And um, we will end on that super positive uh, note. And um, I just want to thank you so much for, for paying it forward. Um, Hannah, you know, you are, um, you are a bright and shining star. And I, uh, I, you know, from from the moment uh, you stepped foot in my classroom, I could just, I could just tell that you were different. You had, um, you, you had this energy about you. You had this maturity and 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 this this uh, feeling that that I now know where it came from, right? We 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 delved into where it came from, but uh, you know, um, I think anyone who uh, who taught you um, w- would would say the same thing. You know, you just had this magnetic personality, this magnetic presence that that challenged us in the classroom in a good way you know uh and uh i just uh i think the world of you and um just uh want you to know that I, i'm in your corner and i'm always here for you and just thank uh, you so appreciate you uh giving back today of course thank you so much for having me this was super fun awesome take care see ya thank you Bye.